We're kicking off a new series here at Emerge tonight. We're calling it A New Era. And, and so we're hoping and we're looking, we're striving for this year to be a new era here at Emerge because I believe it, it, it's time for Emerge Youth to step into a new era in this student ministry and in our own lives. So if you're a note taker tonight um, and if you're into titles, if you're a title person, you need a title at the top of your notes. Um, so basically the title for tonight is Upset the World. We're going to upset the world. And so tonight, if you brought your Bible, also we're going to be in the book of Acts. Book of Acts. Anybody bring their Bible? Anybody actually have a Bible? Claire, good job. Always got that Bible. Okay. All right. So we're going to be in the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 1. If you didn't bring your Bible, we have the magic Bible on the screen tonight for you. Upset the world. So it goes like this. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 9. It says this. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Am... Am what's that say? Uh-huh. Amphipolis. Amphipolis and uh, Polonia and came to Thessalonica. Thessalonica. And uh, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As, Paul, as was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue uh, service And there were three Sabbaths in a row. He used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and provided and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. Along with many uh, God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. I love how it points out like, hey, not just men, because in this culture, men were the big deal and women were not. But I love how the Bible, it says, hey, women were involved in this thing too. And it's, and it's pretty cool. Verse five, some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and to start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. And they said, Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they're disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They're all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. So tonight, I really really like what verse 6 says. I want to specifically put that up on the screen. That says, they were yelling out, they yelled this out, Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. And now they're disturbing our city too. Like these guys were not happy. And so tonight we're talking about upset the world. And I believe that God wants to upset your world in a way that you, uh, if you live for Christ, in a way that you have never lived before. So Paul and Silas, they're going into this city and they're proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. And it was upsetting the world. It was upsetting the people around them. Uh, and according to Matthew 28, what are we all called to do? Does anybody remember? We're all called to go, right? 
and to make disciples, to preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. So translation to that verse is go upset the world. So when I say upset the world, we, here's, here's what we may be thinking in 2022. I'm already upset. Like, I'm already mad. Like, 2020 was bad. 2019 was bad. Like, I'm already upset. Culture is upset. Corona has us upset. Politics has us upset. Like, like, and so what I'm saying when I say upset the world tonight, like, I don't mean, like, anger, frustration, madness. That's, that's not what I'm trying to say tonight. Let's look at the proper, proper definition of upset. It says this. Upset means to overturn or destroy the power of or to overthrow, to defeat or to vanquish. So, so kind of tonight when I talk about upset, I mean to turn over. And, and um, so let me ask you this question tonight. Like, has your life been turned over? Those of you guys in this room, if you say that you're a follower of Jesus, has your life been turned over? Like, you're, you have actually turned over your life to the Savior Jesus. Like, here's, here's what we do. Like, we, we stand up here, we sing the songs, I am available, like, my hands are open, like, right? Like, and we're like, I thank God. And like, we sing these things, we talk about these things, like, you are my champion. Like, I'm not gonna sing tonight. You don't want me to do that. Or like, we'll cancel church, it's gonna be bad. But like, we do these things, we stand up here, we sing, we say these things, we, we read scripture, we pray, we, we try to get to know God, but has it upset your world? Like, seriously, like, uh, when life begins to happen, when things get tough in life, like, we sing we're available, but are you available to God? Are you available to what he wants to do? We, we sing and we say stuff like, hey, my hands are open, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to serve, wherever you want me to go, but are you really worry, willing to do the work he's calling you to do? Like, I thank God, like, do you? Like, even when times get tough, when things are difficult, are you, are you really thanking God? Is he your champion? So another word for the term upset is to disturb or derange completely or, or, or put out of order or to throw into disorder or to defeat or overthrow an opponent. So you've seen um, upsets, right? Everyone loves the upset, right? Right. And so in basketball, like a couple of weeks ago, um, Missouri women's basketball upset the number one team in the nation. I don't know if you guys caught that or noticed that, but it was awesome. Like Sunday, this past Sunday, football or this past weekend, did anybody see any upsets? Like the Colts, unbelievable. They lost to the worst team in, right? The worst team in the NFL and it knocked him out of the playoffs. It was unbelievable, a massive upset. And, and you, you guys have seen upsets. It's so typically, if what an upset is, a team that wasn't supposed to win, won. That's an upset. And, and, then, and something got turned over. And so tonight, when I say upset the world, what I mean tonight is upset your world. Because I think we, we look at things and we're like, oh, the world? That's a, that's a lot, Jeremy. Like, that, that's a lot of stuff. That's a big place. Like, upset the world. What I'm telling you tonight is upset your world. God has literally 
put us in spaces and in places where we can upset the world that is literally right around us. You may hate school. You may hate going to places like that. But here's what I believe. I believe that God has placed you in places like that so you can upset the world. You may hate your job, if those of you guys who work, but I believe that God has placed believers in places like that so they can upset the world. You, you may have a difficult, terrible home life. Things may be really tough for you, but I really believe that God has placed you in places to upset the world. Now, I'm not like saying like make your parents mad. That's, I'm talking about like you and your faith making a change in your home, in your school, in your workplace. So I got two quick questions, two quick points for you tonight. Like if we're if we're playing basketball, I'm shooting two pointers. Like it's so I got two quick points for you tonight, and then we're gonna jump into fam time. So take notes, write some things down. Like I said, nerds rule the world, and nerds take good notes. So um, good notes give you good quotes. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Note takers are history makers. Okay, and note takers go to heaven. I'm sorry, I messed changed that up for you. So. So if you're taking notes, write this down, put this down. So at the beginning of these two points, write this down first, like in order to upset the world. That's what I want you to put. In order to upset the world, the first thing is this, and we're only having two points tonight. We're jumping into fam time. In order to upset the world, the first thing is I must be upset first. I got to be upset first. Because like, here's what we do. We make big plans. We make big dreams. We go to camps or retreats that we're supposed to have in this weekend. And like we have things and like we have these big moments with God. And I'm like, I'm going to go take the world or I'm going to go do these things. But really before we can upset the world, I have to be upset first. I got to make some changes first. Like you're not going to upset anybody else's life if yours isn't upset first. See, back in August of 1999, anybody born then? No, you're all like, okay, maybe a couple of our adults. Um, In August of 1999, for me, uh, and a lot of you guys know my story. I've told my story before. I was home. My friend Ryan stops by. He had just gotten out of, out of the hospital for overdosing on drugs. And, and so what we do, he, we sit on a curb outside of my house. And in that moment, I give my life to Jesus. The part that I don't usually tell is that I realized right there in that moment that I was a sinner. And, and, and like, I knew that, but in that moment, it just became a realization for me. Not, not, I didn't realize that I needed saved. I knew that, but I realized that I was a sinner. So in that moment, on that curb outside of my house, like no, no church, no worship, no preaching, no altar call. It, it was like, it was like the Holy Spirit was, was pointing out food in my teeth. It's like, hey, you're a sinner. You got some things you need to change. That moment that I was a sinner, was my, it was my realization. And, and this is the part that I don't usually tell. I began to cry. Like, like you guys, you guys ugly cry. 
Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, when you're like, uh, 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 like that, the ugly cry, you know? I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but like, you just can't even talk. You're like, uh, 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 snot is running down your face. Tears, you, you can't even speak words. You're like, like, ugly cry. Like, and I realized, I knew, like, I'm a sinner. I'm worthless. I'm no good. Uh, and, and I need Jesus to do a change in my life and do a work in my life. And, uh, my life. and like, I, I couldn't talk. And, I, and that was my response. And, and like, here's the deal. We, like I said, we were sitting on a curb next to our, like, and I lived on like a busy street. And like me and Ryan were like hugging and crying and cars were driving by and we didn't even care. Like <laughs> crying together. And it was like, I, I usually don't cry. Like I'm not a big time crier, but man, I, I was. Like the Holy Spirit in that moment grabbed my life and took over. And, and it, it turned me over. And then I got to thinking. After that, after Ryan left, we had this moment and in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit and the ugly cry and like the hugging and like all this stuff. We got everything cleared up. We talked a lot. Ryan left. I went back inside. And then I got to thinking, because here's what we do. After these moments with God, we start thinking. We come home from camp. We, we start to think. We come home from retreat or a missions trip. We start to think, you know what, God? Like, uh, actually, this isn't a really good time for me. Right? And so at this point in my life, I'm a college student, and, and I'm in college, and, like, I was failing out of anyways. But I was in college, and I was like, um, oh, I got to thinking. Like, I just had this moment. With God, with my best friend, I changed my life. I committed to change my life. And now I'm, God, I, I don't know if this is a good time for me right now. Like, I want you to understand, like, I'm in school. Like, there's a party coming up this weekend. Like, and, and I'm supposed to, in a couple of days, go to my friend Brian, go to his dorm room, and, and we're watching a game. A couple girls are coming over. And, and, and maybe, maybe I should, um, should wait to explain it to them. And the Holy Spirit in that moment was like, no, don't go back there. Don't go back there. Like, and it was like, it was almost like you don't get right and then come to me. Like, you come to me and then you get right. And so I grew up in a really small town. The total population was like, 5,000 people, 7,000 people, really small town. The church Kristen and I grew up in had like on a good Sunday, like 125 people in it. So like you knew everyone, everyone knew you, you knew everyone. And, and, um, and so I, I, in my life, I was away from church for, for a long time or actually a couple of years. And uh, I was living out my life, doing my thing, wanting nothing to do with God, wanting nothing to do with church. That next Sunday, Ryan and I walk in the back doors of that church. And it was like, it, was, it wasn't like our church here where the lights are kind of low and like you don't see everyone. Like it was full lights, full everything. And it was like a narrow, long building. You walk in the door like, everyone's like, like, so like we're walking in the door and everyone's like, Ryan, Jeremy, like what? Like, and everyone knows you in this church. And that Sunday, Ryan and I went, and it was like a revival broke out. 
in the church. Like my, my grandma was there and like she was on me, like giving me kisses with her little mustache. And then like my true story, she did. I love her. She was amazing, but she had a little mustache tickled when she kisses you. But, um, my Sunday school teacher, Judy Libby, the sweetest woman in the whole world was there hugging me. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are here. Like, and, and like now today, Carry the 23 years later, after that moment, I'm still upset. See, my, my friend Brian, who I was supposed to go to his, his dorm room and here in a couple of days, he was like, I told him, he's like, whatever, man. Like, it, you're, just, you're going through a phase. Like, it, it's, it's just a thing right now. I'll, I'll see you at the next party. You'll be back. Um, you'll be back. 23 years ago. I just realized this is my Jordan year of salvation. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. But, but <laughs> sorry, that's dumb. Let's go. But since then, since then, here's, here's what I've done. I've seen some of my friends from the past. I've spoke to some of my friends from the past. I've helped some of my friends from those days. I've counseled with some of my friends from the past. I've talked one off of the ledge, and I've prayed with many more. I'm still upset today as I was 23 years ago. And, and when you get on fire for God, when you get a passion for God, there, there's nothing and, and nothing anyone and nothing no one can do to get in the way of being who God's called you to be. So the second thing is this tonight. In order to upset the world, what I believe determines how I behave. Because here's the deal. We can get this passion. We can like, I, I'm upset. I'm going to upset the world. But it's got to show in our lives as well and in the way we believe. So what I believe determines how I behave. Um, do you believe in Jesus the same way you believe in other things? I get in my car. I believe it's going to start every time. I have a lot more faith sometimes in my car starting than I do Jesus coming through for me. Like, do you catch what I'm saying? Like, do, do you believe in, in Jesus in the same way that you believe in other things? So I want us to see in Scripture real quick. Uh, we're going to jump into our fam times, but I want to see in Scripture real quick that how we believe in something will dictate how we behave towards it. In Luke 6, 45, it says this, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. This is saying, like, whatever is in you will dictate what comes out of you. And I want you to know tonight, this isn't just our words. This isn't just how we speak, but it goes much deeper than that. Like, whatever you believe in your heart will dictate every single decision that you make. You don't believe me? Okay, let's go all the way back to Genesis. The book of Genesis from the very beginning, this is the very first moment. Genesis 3, 8 through 11, it says this. When the cool of the evening breezes, so, so what's actually what's going on here, God created the heaven, the earth, the animals, the moon, stars, the, the, uh, and Adam and Eve. 
And he gave them uh, paradise, basically, the Garden of Eden. He gave them this place, and he's like, hey, I want you to live here. I want you to live here forever. One rule, one rule, don't eat it from this tree. And what happens? The enemy shows up in the form of a snake, and he's like, hey, slithering around. Okay, I'm not going to do that. He's like, hey. He's like, what God doesn't want you to know is that if you eat from this tree, you're going to be just like God, and you're going to know everything that God knows. And so he tricks them. And so here we are. He's tricked them. They realize that they're in sin, and when they realize that they're in sin, they realize a lot of things. So catch this. Verse 3. When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, a man and uh, the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord because they were ashamed. They were embarrassed. They were afraid. Um, God among the trees. Uh, they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. Was there ever sin on the earth before this? No. And so all of a sudden, Adam and Eve get this sin in their lives, and it caused them immediate, like, sin and shame and wanting to hide from God. And isn't that what we do sometimes? We're like, oh, I've done this. Like, I'm staying away from church. Like, it makes me feel bad. What that is, is that the whole, that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, um, you're doing some things wrong and you need to change some things. It's not us, anyone like, you're bad, evil person. That's not how it works. It's the Holy Spirit in your life um, convicting you, which is not a bad thing. Anyways, uh, I heard you walk in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And he's, this is God's response. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? See, Adam and Eve, at this point, they were totally sinless. There wasn't even any sin in the world at this point. And the response was shame. The response was shame. They were ashamed. They were afraid. And catch this. They shifted their focus um, from God to sin. Instead of saying, God, here we are. We're walking with you. We're hanging out with you. We're spending time with you. Now we're like, oh, God's coming. They, they, they shifted their focus from God and being relationship with him, him to the sin. And it caused them to hide and be in shame. So what you believe determines how you behave. Not only that, what you believe allows sin and it allows hurt and it allows pain. So don't believe me? Uh, Real quick, if we could do this in, in a moment of honesty across this whole room, by a show of hands, how many of you guys in this room, you would say, I'm a Christian? I just honest, it's okay to be honest in here tonight. You would say, I'm a Christian. That's okay. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't believe that. Um, so if you say you're in this room, you say you're a Christian, you can put your hands down. If you say you're a Christian, if you say you're a believer, does the way you live your life reflect Jesus? Think about it. Think about every day when you step into school, when you get up at home, the things that you do during the day, the things that you do in the evenings when you get home, at night when you're going to bed, is the way you live your life, is that a reflection of Jesus? Because what you believe determines how you behave. It determines your actions. 
And don't get me wrong in this room, like I am not asking for perfection. Not, not one single person in this room is going to be perfect like a mirror image of Jesus. That's not, it's not even possible. But are we attempting? Are we trying? Are we watching our lives? Are, are, are we trying to live like Jesus? Because what I'm saying, if, if we're going to upset this, the world in this new era, the way we live in front of others, if we say we're a follower of Jesus, has to match what we believe. I want to say that again, just in case you didn't catch it. If we're in this world and we call ourselves followers of Jesus, and we say we love him, I want to live for him, I want to serve him, I love Jesus, then the way we live our lives in front of other people has to match what we believe. And you check your beliefs by checking your actions. Does your behavior reflect sin? Or are you reflecting Jesus in the way you live your life? 